TUC Radio, Time of Useful Consciousness. Nuclear weapons in space and ground stations that can be used for war in space. Radio based on films produced by Will Griffin for the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. In May and June 2021, Will Griffin released two short films on the recent expansion of nuclear power into space and on the secrecy surrounding the upgrade of a U.S. radar installation on Norwegian soil. When the Globus 1 and 2 radars were built, the official story had been that they were going to track debris in space. However, when a storm tore off the Teflon coating on the dome over the Globus 2 radar, it became apparent that it was aimed at Russia across the nearby border. The U.S. is currently building Globus 3 that is scheduled to become operational in the fall of 2021. Will Griffin brings up the Russian claim that Globus 3 can be used as a missile defense radar and satellite tracker. These two short films are posted on the website of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. That's an international organization founded in 1992 with an unbroken record of education and activism on a rarely covered topic, the weaponization of space. Former President Trump has finally brought weaponization of space to world attention with the creation of the U.S. Space Force. Here first is audio from the film published on May 6, 2021. Will Griffin writes in his summary, The Pentagon and multinational corporations are privatizing outer space. Laws are being implemented in order to benefit billionaires. Compromising decades-long international treaties that say space cannot be owned. American capitalism is colonizing Mars, privatizing asteroids and other celestial bodies. Will Griffin begins by reading a chilling quote from an official Pentagon document. During the early portion of the 21st century, space power will also evolve into a separate and equal medium of warfare. Likewise, space forces will emerge to protect military and commercial national interests and investment in the space medium due to their increasing importance. That was a quote from the document the Pentagon published in the late 1990s titled Vision 2020. The document was published in order to state publicly the advancements made in the space, rocket, and war industries and to state their plans for the future. Two decades later, the Pentagon and multinational corporations have kept in line with the claims made in the document Vision 2020, and now that the U.S. has officially established a new military branch, the Space Force, the claims made seem only to be proven as time ticks forward. 
In 2015, President Barack Obama passed the U.S. Commercial Space Launch Competitiveness Act. This law gave U.S. citizens the right to own parts of celestial bodies. This means that U.S. citizens are now able to lay claim to asteroids and mine resources from them, and will be able to own the materials they find there. Until now, space has largely been treated as publicly owned, meaning that nobody could claim commercial ownership of anything that was out there. This law is in direct violation of the 1967 Outer Space Treaty. Article 2 of this treaty states, Outer space, including the moon and other celestial bodies, is not subject to national appropriation by claim of sovereignty, by means of use or occupation, or by any other means. The United States did sign on to this treaty, but as according to their plans laid out in Vision 2020, the Pentagon and multinational corporations believe they can break all treaties. Breaking treaties has been a frequent pattern of the U.S. government for centuries. Just ask the indigenous peoples of Turtle Island. Essentially, this law is moving capitalism into outer space. The world knows how capitalism has destroyed everything we know since its inception 400 years ago. From inequality to bank bailouts, depressions and recessions, institutional racism and patriarchy, and now environmental destruction. The system that created and perpetuated all of these issues is moving into outer space. What happens when competition between corporations and militaries intensify because they are fighting over an asteroid potentially worth over $5 trillion? Who will be the one to resolve this dispute? How will it be addressed? What happens when an American corporation and a Chinese corporation begin fighting over an asteroid, especially when each corporation has a military behind it to protect them? How will we even know what is going on in space during these ownership fights? There won't be any media there, except maybe media owned by the same rich fat cats claiming control of planetary bodies. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are already competing with each other over contracts with the U.S. government for their adventures in outer space. And Elon Musk has been the poster child for colonizing Mars and has been speaking about it for years. In fact, Musk doesn't really care how we get there, even if it costs people their lives. But it's a glorious adventure and uh, it'll be amazing an amazing experience. And your name will go in history. Yes, you might not. It's going to be uncomfortable. And we probably won't have good food and all these things, you know. So, so yeah. if, 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 if an arduous and dangerous journey where you may not come back alive, um, but it's a glorious adventure, sounds appealing, and Mars you still, is the place. And you that's still the have that's the thousands of, of volunteers, if not millions of volunteers, who would yeah. want to go. I, I mean, honestly, a bunch of people probably will die in the beginning. It's, yeah. It's tough sledding over there. You We're know? an exploring um, species. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not for everybody. We don't want to make anyone go. So it's, like, <laughs> it's volunteers only. This is how billionaires, also known as monopoly capitalists, think about the people of the world, about the planet, and especially about outer space. It's all expendable to them. Ever heard of the expression profit over people? This has been the driving philosophy of capitalists, and we have 400 years to prove it. 
Now, this philosophy is being exported to the moon, Mars, and asteroids in our solar system. There's another issue to be concerned about, especially about Elon Musk's wet dream of colonizing Mars. They want nuclear power to get there. DARPA, the uber-rich and tax-dollar-eating research and development agency of the U.S. War Department, has recently awarded three major deals for the development of nuclear-powered propulsion systems. General Atomics, Blue Origin, and Lockheed Martin are the prime contractors for these deals. Where have we heard these names before? Oh yeah, they are major weapons-producing corporations, and now they are developing nuclear systems, which pose a major threat to life on Earth if one of these propulsion systems were to I don't know, blow up before it left Earth's atmosphere? Some say we don't have anything to worry about, but I swear I saw rockets explode with astronauts on it before. One minute, 15 seconds, velocity 2,900 feet per second, altitude 9 nautical miles, downrange distance 7 nautical miles. Dr. Robert Zubrin, president of the Mars Society and a former member of Lockheed Martin's scenario development team. Hmm, weird coincidence here. Dr. Zubrin published an article in March 2021 pushing President Joe Biden in supporting colonization of Mars. Many articles like this are being published week after week to push for missions to Mars, mainly from people who would benefit from such dangerous adventures. As I see it, there's three reasons why Mars should be the goal of our space program. And in short, it's because Mars is where the science is, it's where the challenge is, and it's where the future is. It's surprising these people don't push for, I don't know, ending the endless wars, changing our infrastructure to avoid more environmental destruction, ending homelessness, or paying reparations to indigenous and black people for, you know, genocide and slavery makes me really wonder who they hang out with on weekends. An op-ed piece in Undark said, Foundational concepts such as conquest, frontier, and manifest destiny can affect not only how people think about space, but also how they act towards it. These concepts promote colonialist ideas, space capitalism, and a lack of regulation. Potent symbols of this trend are the more than 3,000 operational satellites currently orbiting Earth, many of them privately owned. For people who use the stars to navigate or who incorporate celestial bodies into cultural, spiritual, and religious practices, this intrusion into the skies threatens to compromise a way of life. And it is a sobering reminder that space and the sky don't really belong to everyone after all. The lack of protections and regulations for the night sky, as well as the monetary incentives for commercial satellites, which make up almost 80% of U.S. satellites, make it vulnerable to the highest bidder. This sentiment perfectly describes the experiment we call the United States of America, a nation built out of the colonization and genocide of indigenous people, the enslavement of African people who built the U.S., and then a nation that was constructed into the world's superpower by bombing dozens of nations after establishing its permanent military-industrial congressional complex, 
and exploiting the poorest nations on earth, polluting, poisoning, and destroying the environment in which we all depend on. And now these sociopaths want to bring American democracy to outer space. The global network stands with the billions of people on earth who want a peaceful world for our children to grow up in, a world in which we plan for the next seven generations to live better lives than we did. We oppose these unnecessary, dangerous, and provocative actions from the U.S. government and the corporations which control it. We stand with and for the people of the world. We stand for peace and we stand for true democracy. We want to keep space for peace. That was the first of two short films from the website of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. They were produced by Will Griffin, an active board member of Space for Peace. Will is an Iraq and Afghanistan veteran, a member of Veterans for Peace and Iraq Veterans Against the War. He's a filmmaker and travels the world, visiting and documenting U.S. military bases. His second film was published on June 1st, 2021. He gave it the title Dangerous U.S.-NATO Expansion into Norway, and his synopsis says, In recent years, the U.S. and NATO have been militarizing the Arctic through Norway as a means to confront Russia. As the Arctic melts away, these powerful nations are competing for dominance in the region as new sea routes are established, building new military bases and constructing new radars. Griffin interviewed Bart Wormdahl, author of The Satellite War. Wormdahl makes the case that modern warfare is becoming increasingly dependent on satellites for surveillance and weapons guidance. In the Arctic, tensions between Russia and Norway, the US and NATO are rising. The deployment of radars and bombers near Russia's border, like the Globus 2 and 3 radars, which are potentially used in the US Missile Defense Shield, and the B-1 Lancer supersonic strategic bomber. Also, the construction of new US military bases in Norway are adding to these tensions. The tension between uh, Norway, Russia, and US is rising in the Arctic uh, region uh, at the moment, quite uh, dramatically, I would say. It has been going on for uh, the couple of uh, three or four or five years, and, and it's rising uh, as to sp when, when we are speaking. It is related to many things. It's related to the East-West uh, situation, but it's also related to what is happening in the Arctic area. Because the, the more of the ocean is ice free because of the climate change, and uh, there is a lot of uh, interest from both sides to use these areas for economic measures. 
The Globus 3 radar is currently being constructed in Norway under U.S. command near a small Norwegian fishing village of Vardo, less than 40 miles from Russia's Kola Peninsula. This radar will replace the 1988 U.S. radar Globus 1 and will work jointly with Globus 2. The cost of Globus 3 has been estimated at 1.2 billion U.S. dollars. It is expected to become operational this year sometime. According to Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova, the radar transmits the information it receives to the United States. A senior fellow at the Norwegian Defense Research Institute, Michael Mayer, claimed Vardo to be an ideal location for tracking missiles in Northern Europe, especially missiles launched over the Arctic. The new Globus radar could potentially be used as part of the U.S. defense shield. Russia claimed that uh, Globus 3 is a missile defense radar. And that is important because uh, Russia is uh, uh, deeply concerned that they will uh, not have any possibility to use their nuclear weapons in a war, nuclear war if the U.S. missile defense uh, system is effective. Uh, missile defense is one thing, but there are two other aspects to which is also very important. Uh, remember, Globus 3 is uh, very close to the most important military bases uh, Russia have uh, at the Kula Peninsula. Um, Globus 3 is uh, detecting uh, every kind of movements, um, getting intelligence from all of these bases. That's one thing. And, and the third thing is also that the uh, this uh, system, U.S. system in Vardø, is the most accurate system U.S. Uh, at the moment have for tracking satellites uh, in space. And as you know, uh, the, the possibility for uh, war in space uh, is rising at the moment uh, also. All the big nations are building the capacity to uh, make uh, to do warfare in space. And if you're going to do warfare in space, you have to, to understand the accurate position of, of all the satellites. And, and from the U.S. side, uh, the Varda system is the most accurate at the moment. Today, Norwegian armed forces say, quote, The Globus system has never been part of the U.S. nor any other country's missile defense system. It is not connected to nor does it transfer information in real time to the U.S. or any other country's missile defense system, a prerequisite for a functional missile defense system. The modernization effort will not change this. Well, the history of these radars and this site proves otherwise. The Globus project can be traced back to the 1950s when NATO-aligned Norway proved to be a strategic front for the Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. According to the Norwegian military at that time, the Globus system was used to, quote, conduct surveillance on, track, and categorize space objects, conduct surveillance in our national area of interest, and collect data for national research and development. Globus 2 was built by leading U.S. war contractor Raytheon. It was initially located at California's Vandenberg Air Force Base, where the Pentagon regularly tested its intercontinental ballistic missiles. 
a Raytheon document from 1999, which is the same year that Globus 2 came to Norway, says the system was, quote, originally designed to collect intelligence data against ballistic missiles with aerodynamic and satellite tracking as secondary missions. The following year in 2000, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists published an expose on the site in Vardo and its relations to missile defense. While the Globus 2's public mission was focused on space, NASA denied any knowledge of this project. Three months later, the Wall Street Journal reported that a storm tore off the radar's Teflon exterior, only to reveal that the Globus 2 was indeed pointed towards Russia. This would be equivalent to Russia deploying a radar in Tijuana, Mexico, claiming that it was for the purpose of space exploration, but having the radar pointed directly at Vandenberg Air Force Base in California, then denying everything after being accused of covert surveillance on the US with evidence to back up that claim. Now, on top of this mysterious radar site, the US has recently been approved to construct four new air and naval bases in Norway. The US and Norway have signed an updated military cooperation agreement that permits the US military to construct new facilities at three Norwegian airfields and one naval base. The locations marked for US military deployments are the Evnes Military Air Station, Raigi Military Air Station, Sola Military Air Station, and Ramsun Naval Station. In the words of Norwegian Foreign Minister, the new agreement, which provides the Pentagon unimpeded access to the bases, confirms Norway's key position on the northern flank of NATO. In addition, US bombers have landed in Norway as recently as March 2021. The US B-1 Lancer supersonic strategic bomber, one of four recently deployed to the Orland Air Base in Norway, landed for the first time ever inside the Arctic Circle at the Bodo Air Station in Norway. The B-1 is one of the three major US long-range strategic bombers and the one equipped to carry the largest payload of any American bomber. It's capable of carrying 24 nuclear bombs or 84 conventional ones, and overall can be equipped with the biggest payload of both guided and unguided weapons in the Air Force arsenal. It has the speed of up to Mach 2.2 and can fly almost 5,000 miles without refueling. We see now that uh, there are more activity from the American side in this region. Uh, we have uh, uh, aircraft, U.S. aircraft carrier that visited this area quite recently, and there has not been no U.S. aircraft carrier in this year, uh, this area since the Cold War. That's a more, one clear, one clear uh, signal of the new, new situation. We see that the U.S. Uh, Marines are going closer to the. Uh, they are going closer to uh, the, the Russian bases at the Kola Peninsula than they have in, in many years. And also, we see, of course, that uh, Russia are doing bigger exercises than they have not done uh, for many, many years. 
what I think we should worry about is uh, the possibility of uh, warfare in space. We see now that China, Russia and US are putting up quite a lot of effort to modernize uh, and to be uh, effective in uh, space warfare. Um, this is very little on the agenda in the traditional media. But we know uh, that China put up and demonstrated uh, that they could shoot down uh, one of their satellites in 2007. And from then on, they have uh, moved on with uh, new projects for being more effective in space warfare. Uh, we see uh, that uh, uh, Russia in the last two years, two, three years, uh, also had done tests that uh, shows they are able to do space warfare and uh, U.S. is uh, follow-up. So uh, I'm very concerned about uh, development in uh, the years ahead in this regard. The construction of the Globus 3 radar, along with the existing Globus 2 radar, the bomber landings, and the construction of new military bases are some of the major reasons for the sharpening of tensions between Russia and the U.S.-NATO-Norway alignment. You heard the audio tracks of two films produced by Will Griffin for the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. That's an international organization founded in 1992. Will is an Iraq and Afghanistan veteran and creator of The Peace Report, an online source for anti-war and nonviolent news for peace and justice. He's a filmmaker and travels the world visiting and documenting U.S. military bases. The website for the global network is spaceforpeace.org. That's space, numerical for, peace.org. Their mission is to build global awareness and active participation to, quote, Protect space from escalating debris in orbit, militarization, and weaponization, the extension of nuclear power into the heavens, and concerns about ozone depletion caused by the ever-increasing numbers of rocket launches. Space for Peace warns that, quote, the arms race is moving into space. For years, the U.S. Space Command stated in its 1997 publication, Vision for 2020, that it intends to control space, dominate space, and deny other nations access to space. End quote. It's crucial that the movement to stop this new round in the arms race moves quickly ahead. You can hear this program again for free on TUC Radio's website, tucradio.org. Look at the newest programs or the podcast page. While you're there, you can subscribe to weekly free podcasts. 
Our email address is tuc at tucradio.org. TUC Radio takes its name from an aeronautical term. Time of useful consciousness is the precious time between the onset of oxygen deficiency and the loss of consciousness. The time to save the passengers and the plane. My name is Maria Gelarden. Thank you for listening.